BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. friends we're back again it's friday may 19th kane is out there shaking in his boots i'm agile pearl i'm with jeremy lambert it's time to get in the weeds hi jeremy how are you doing on friday morning well, i'm well we've made it to a friday joel pearl made it to a friday how are you i'm doing all right you know wednesday's show was really good very well received today's show is going to be uh really a lot of fun we got plenty to talk about Coming off the heels of everything that happened on Wednesday, uh, Alex Coughlin from New Japan Pro Wrestling will be joining us. He's from the LA Dojo. He's going to be joining us at 11.30 a.m. Eastern. It's now just after 10 o'clock if you're on the East Coast. So uh, come and hang out with us. Alex is a, a very interesting guy who's been coming up through the ranks in the last couple of years in wrestling. So looking forward to talking to him about uh, his, his time with New Japan and the LA Dojo, his upcoming matches. Uh, at, and a new Japan resurgence. We'll talk about that. And of course, they just announced Tony Khan announced that on Thursday, June 1st, on Ring of Honor for the pure title, it'll be Katsuyori Shibata versus Alex Coughlin for the pure rules title. Big time match, big time feel. Looking forward to that. Okay, Joel, we gotta we gotta get this out of the way before you keep screwing it up. And I'm gonna call you out here on air and bury what, you. What do I do? As I do. Alex Coughlin, not Coughlin. Why not Coughlin? Oh, what if I call him Coughlin? Well, he might punch you, which would be great. I hope he does. That seems to be the going rate. Yes. It, so got, you know what? We got Macklin. Macklin's going to beat you up. Yeah. Skyros is going to beat you up. We'll add Alex Coughlin to the list. We're just going to get you beat up by everybody. Listen, it's no different from Bruce Coburn, the singer, who spells his name Bruce Cockburn. Come on, spell who? it right. All I'm saying is if you're going to spell it, spell your name right. Who is Bruce Cockburn? Coburn. Co- you said Cockburn. Yeah, it's, it, it's spelt Cockburn, but it's pronounced Coburn. Does your Cockburn, Joel? No, but I'm sure there's annoyment if it did. Oh, I mean, if, if it did, you'd have bigger issues than maybe just using an ointment there. Well, at least I'm not coughing. Coglin. No, I know what I'm saying. Coglin. Who's on first, Joel? Uh, what's on second? 
<laughs> we got a super chat. Read the super chat. Ryan Lambert with the super chat saying 519. Happy F. Glenn Jacobs Day. Much love to you all. Absolutely. F. Glenn Jacobs every day. I get it. But uh, for Kane, for Kane Day for 519, you got to do what you got to do. And that is just scare Kane. And then watch See No Evil on the WWE no, you, Network. You know what comes out today, Joel Pearl. No, what? What do you mean, no, what? Oh, people are already watching that movie. It's all about family. Well, yeah, but it technically comes out today. Oh, okay, hold on. Explain to me how it comes out today when people I know are... Because already... there's a midnight release, and they do like an early Thursday release now, but today is like the, the big release when it's in all the theaters. Do people pay more to go see the early release? No idea. I remember when I when like Star Wars uh, would do like the midnight release, I would go to that. I, yeah. I specifically remember going to episode three midnight release. Um, I don't remember if I've gone to any other midnight releases. Did a lot of video game midnight releases. I remember doing a few music midnight releases. Yeah. Yeah. But like, well, I mean, you did a stream very famously on a midnight release. True. Or an I album did. also named Midnight. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how we did it. That's, that's how right. we did it. It's called Midnights. Are you going to see the Fast 10? I will not see the Fast 10. Yeah, I think I saw the second why? one, and I haven't seen it since. Why do you hate family? Uh, it's a long story. Let's just say my family is, uh, is, is good. Not great, just good. This is going to be great, though. I, people are DMing me already, telling me how great this is. I've had people writing articles saying the opposite. Well, they're wrong. Okay, then. See, look, Will, Will is already saying that it's great. Cena's pretty good. Great comedic timing. That The review on that says that it's the greatest film of all time. Wow. The greatest film of all time. Yeah. That's a, that's a very big claim. Yeah. Do you think I could bully my wife on air to go see the show, go see the movie with me tonight? We got a date night tonight, and I feel like this is what we should do for our date night. I mean, what else would you do on a date night? I don't know. She wants to go to like dinner or something. That doesn't sound fun. I want to go see Fast 10. You could do both. Dinner and a movie is like the most dateiest date night activity ever. If we get... <laughs> this is going to upset her. If we get $50 in Super Chats today, this will pay for our... Because ticket prices are expensive for these movies. This will pay for our... Fast 10 viewing experience tonight. Have you considered going to dinner at a, a subpar restaurant and going to a movie on a Tuesday? <laughs> Applebee's is where I want to go. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's about as subpar as it gets there. Why don't you go to that place that we went to back uh, after your wedding? I don't remember the name of the place, but uh, you remember that that place with uh, Jensen? Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. She's arrived. <laughs> She's going to go if we get fifty dollars in super chats, that's gonna pay for our fast ten. People are saying I'm trying to speed run divorce. <laughs> Isn't that what fast ten is all about? Speed running your divorce? No, fast ten is about living your life a quarter mile at a time. And right now, I'm trying to get a quarter of two hundred dollars to go see fast ten as date night tonight mike saying fast 10 ain't worth a quarter <laughs> mike is wrong how are we how no absolutely not the greatest film of all time what we need to speed run is the first 
uh, nine fast movies because you've not seen them. There's you probably don't remember them, though. Yeah, so we got to watch all the first nine fast movies today and then go see Fast 10 tonight. <laughs> she's out. She's like, no, we're not doing this. She's gonna she's gonna take up drinking uh to watch all these fast movies. I understand. I, I tell her I am with her on that. Yeah, Ryan says you won't understand the exactly. You don't understand the lore if you don't want if you don't watch the first nine. This is not a, a film where you can jump into the tenth one and then expect to, to know what's going on. Should we jump into some uh some news? We are talking about news. We're talking about the greatest <laughs> film of all time. <laughs> I guess I jumped into that one, didn't I? I just walked myself <laughs> off that. Oh my goodness. Here we go. Psychos is better than Logan over on twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming. Gave us some bits and Jeremy's about to start grifting us for that 50. <laughs> Look, you gotta do what you gotta do. Okay. All right. All right. So I gotta to make this happen somehow it's not like you see the money anyway it ends up going to like the same three no. people on the channel not named joel or jeremy or kate yeah i don't get any of this by the way anytime i do this stuff of like hey pay money so i can do this it's actually pay money so we can pay our contributors more on this channel so i do silly stuff and i say silly stuff to sometimes humiliate myself or in this case my wife sorry baby uh and then i actually get no benefit from from any of it remember i poured water on my head our first week of the show and did jumping jacks for money i didn't see a dime of that money neither did i but it was still entertaining as hell alex mccarthy sat there on air with us while you did it very confused i loved it What do I need to do to get $50 in Super Chats today, everybody? Throw out some ideas, all right? Yes, Ryan did make it make it happen. Uh, throw out some ideas. We'll try to get $50 in Super Chats. Today. Preferably okay. safe for work ideas, ones that won't get us demonetized. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've, I'm we've not going to go crazy here. Yeah, we've already fixed all our other monetization issues on this channel, so let's keep it yeah. up with the good ones. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so speaking of good ones, Ace Steel and AEW. Yeah. And everything going on there. On Wednesday, you and I sat here with Andrew Zarian for the first hour and talked about AW Collision. Who was, who wasn't a part of things as of the announcement. What we expected from those who weren't announced, where they would land. And then we started seeing a lot of different things pop up. I know later on we're going to talk about CM Punk's side of things or whatever's going on there. But Ace Steel seems to be back in the middle of all of this. What the hell's going on? Tee this up and let's try and, I guess, establish the timeline or at least figure out what this is all doing. Okay. Let's let's start with kind of Wednesday. And they didn't announce CM Punk as part of Collision. I didn't expect them to announce CM Punk as part of the press release thing. I thought that was very strange of like, oh, why didn't they announce CM Punk, like the, the discourse around it. Why didn't they announce CM Punk? I'm thinking, why are you going to announce him as part of the press release? This is something you save for Dynamite or the first show. I thought what would happen is on Dynamite, you know, Tony Khan said they would have more info on Collision. And the info ended up being dates for the, or locations for the five of the first six shows. Curiously, not the first show. 
but I thought they were going to announce basically the first show, make it United Center, hint, hint, wink, nod type of thing. And then that would be the clue in that Punk was coming. They didn't do that. They instead, again, didn't announce a location for the first date. It came out of, oh, they edited the headline. The original one was CM Punk. I thought Warner Brothers uh, Discovery in their their statement to comic book, uh, great fan Connor Casey, I thought the statement was basically damage control of, oh, CM Punk's not affiliated with TNT's AW Collision because, yeah, they didn't want to spoil the announcement and someone somewhere did by putting him in the headline. But then the Ace Steel stuff came out. And it seems like there's a lot of smoke to all of this. And Nick Hausman, House of Wrestling, uh, reporting that Steel had been rehired months ago. And, and Nick said that he'd been working kind of remotely on creative. They didn't want to bring him backstage because that might rub people the wrong way. But the implication was when Punk returned he would be backstage. And then that changed apparently on Tuesday, Tuesday night, maybe Wednesday morning. And he wasn't going to be brought back on the road. Punk felt a certain type of way of that reportedly. And he was like, all right, well, plans are going to change all around. Punk went on Instagram stories where he does his business nowadays. And, you know, posted things like, Hey, Larry got a job of, I, I forgot what the, Larry's official job title was, but it was kind of tongue-in-cheek poking fun at Larry doesn't actually do anything, kind of like the uh, EVPs. And then Larry got fired for napping. and But we don't know what to do with Larry because his contract is so big, kind of maybe poking fun at himself type of thing. And then he did shot the video with Lars Fredrickson of, you know, F you Phil, you're a cancer. And then he said, you know, the parasocial relationships that fans have with wrestlers, you don't know me, you don't know other people, stop with the tribalism, go touch grass. A lot to take in. And he called out other reporters and gossip and things like that. I don't want to get into that. That's That seems like a personal petty grudge that ain't any of my business, honestly. A, a lot happened on Wednesday. And... It seems like a steel might be the center of all of this. Where are you at on this, Joel? Well, first, like, tell me if you heard this one before. As you say, a steel seems to be at the center of this. <laughs> it's it's such a weird and interesting story. Okay, I know that a lot of people have the ways that they feel about CM Punk, especially lately. One thing that I have to kind of give him credit for is is his loyalty to a guy like Ace Steel that he brings him everywhere and you know kind of puts him over and and you know he 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 cares about the guy he wants to take care of him uh and and punk has always been very much you know my my real friends I'll go to bat for them no matter what that's part of punk's life um sometimes to a detriment because here we are having these conversations days later about whether or not CM Punk's actually going to come back to work. Personally, I think a lot of this is Rudy Tootie worky shooty once again. Uh, oh, stop. I think that there is a certain level of, yeah, I'm coming back to work. Yeah, like maybe 
I'm not saying everything's, I'm not saying everything's a work. God knows I'm not. I know there's levels of realism to do this. And I know that there is still a lot of unresolved anger. I'll go as far as to say that with the story, but everything still seems to go towards um, going to work and, and announcing next week that the June 17th collision debut will be in Chicago and trying to draw that out. You look at the other dates, by the way. I love this. It is the Canadian Collision Tour, but they're just not calling it that because you've got, you know, the Toronto show on the 24th, the 29th is the Hamilton show, the Regina show on the 8th, the Calgary show, which I told you on Wednesday would turn into a collision show and not a house rules show. Uh, and of course, the going back to the Regina show, they called it a television event and then they never announced, but now it is. Uh, and then they go to Newark, which is like the armpit of the US, but close enough to Canada that's just like the end of the 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 fart of the canadian collision tour but then we have this this debut and they're saying we're gonna say next week uh and i i see in the chat they're making fun of regina it is believe me as a school kid we always made fun of it too so yeah americans are learning about regina i love regina yeah i mean didn't people love regina specter the artist the the band don't know who that is well good to know the punk thing basically if they announced Chicago on Wednesday. They've done two things. They've effectively gotten us to talk about Collision, CM Punk, AEW as a whole for another week solid. And they've managed to get CM Punk in for Collision and there's no problem. Or whatever problems they have, they put a Band-Aid over and said, well, let's just get to this and then we'll, we'll, we'll work on the next step. But you can only do that for so long. You can only put Band-Aids on and say you know, we're going to work on this now and then we'll figure out the rest later. You can only do that for so long until issues come up and we have another, you know, brawl out muffin gate incident. There's only so many band-aids, Jeremy. So Joel, Joel. Yeah. Band-aids don't fix bullet holes. You'll say sorry just for show. You live like that. You live like ghosts. <clears throat> Where's the Nice Salcedo to get my Taylor Swift references? Jesus. Oh, no, I, I just didn't want to pay attention. Cyclops better than Logan with some Twitch over Twitch bits. Easy for me to say. Tony rehiring a guy that bit an EP, threw a chair at another. And again, allegedly, uh, just to please a guy who sucker punched another guy only screams. I'm a soft pushover boss. Big yikes, if true. And again, listen, there's a point to be made if that is what happened. Again, everything is still allegedly. It's all hearsay. Uh, if that's what's true, I, I I understand the sentiment. I also understand that sometimes you, uh, you, you put things aside when the money is on the table. And we've seen that multiple times across various sports. And even in wrestling, we see it outside of WWE. We saw it outside of AW and we've seen it in WWE. We've seen it everywhere. It just happens. Not everyone gets along. Not everyone gets into alleged brawls in the backstage area during a press conference. But A Steel being at the center of this still makes this the most amazingly weird thing imaginable. And, and what's even funnier is that this all started really coming to the forefront when Ace started appearing on screen going into a pay-per-view match that Punk was having. And suddenly A Steel is everybody's like everybody's raison d'etre in, in AEW's like lore of the CM Punk story. I don't know what to think other than 
there's I feel like they're still going to announce Chicago on on Wednesday next week. And we're all just going to move forward with the assumption that CM Punk's going to be a collision and that they're going to do the roster splitting that they're talking about doing. I don't think any of this is a work. I think if it is, it's stupid and doesn't benefit anybody, honestly. I agree with that, by the way. I just have the back of my mind, and sorry to cut you off, the back of my mind is Tony and friends love getting meta sometimes. And this <sighs> is this is a frustrating meta thing that just keeps happening. There's a difference between getting meta and which they do. They they do with the the MJF stuff a, a lot of times and some some other stuff as well. And and this where you're actively burying some some talent and you're actively like burying your own product in a way because what does this accomplish? We know there's some type of conflict between the elite and CM Punk. We know none of Brawl Out was a work. So we know that comp, you don't need to continue to feed into that. You're going to feed into that just by bringing CM Punk back. So just bring him back and do good stories. You would have gotten the same attention if you announce Punk for Collision. If you announce United Center on Wednesday, you, you get the same publicity out of that. It's like, oh, CM Punk's coming. CM Punk's coming. Instead, and in good in a good way of like, hey, mended back, things are good, and now you're getting it, but in a way of it feels like, wait a second, you're gonna bring back a steel. How does the elite feel about this? You're gonna undercut certain things. You're doing a roster split to make other people happy. Like it, it's it's negative way that you could get the same attention in a more positive. Wait, I see people saying like it's it's controversy. Tony loves that, and you know, Bischoff the whole controversy creates cash type of thing. I truly, okay, maybe, maybe I'm off base here. I don't think Tony wants controversy in this type of way. I think there are some stuff he likes to do meta on his television show and things like that. Will Tony be online and respond to people? Yes, we've seen that. I don't think he wants controversy in this time, especially when you're announcing this big deal with, with TNT, you're announcing two more hours of programming. Like you, you got a good relationship with Warner brothers discovery. This is what you want people to talk about instead is CM Punk Instagram stories. I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. And, and that's where I do agree with you. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's where I do agree with you. If you're a television partner and people aren't watching your show to see the stories you've created they're trying to watch the show they're trying to watch the social media feeds of the wrestlers you're currently not focused on with tv yeah that hurts you can't do that you can't play that game for too long and uh it does have diminishing returns now i'm also thinking you've got you've got those three evps you've got kenny and you've got the bucks who are currently in negotiations hangman page as well um we don't know where they stand with their with their deals and with AEW, uh, other than just there have been conversations. And if you're in a situation where you're bringing back a steal, and you haven't told, or you, you haven't, 
you don't really know what Ace Steel's role is, but you've got Kenny of the Bucks in the backstage being like, wait, he's doing what now? Is he involved with my stories? Whose stories is he involved with? How much say does he have in the work that we do? That is both frustrating if you're in the position of an EVP and annoying if you're trying to figure out what your stories are. However, I would also contend that currently setting up Anarchy in the Arena, they did a pretty damn good job of that, but that's neither here nor there. The idea being, if Ace is there, regardless if he's physically in the room or not, and I'm an EVP who also was in the room when when things happened uh, almost a year ago, my my brain immediately is not happy with this. I think the elite are only, you know, someone said in the chat, like the elite only work for themselves. Do I think they help out and, and things like that? Yeah. Um, but as far as their own creative, like I don't think Ace Steel has anything to do with that. They're doing their own creative on that. Ace Steel ain't pitching ideas or reworking stories for them. I, tr- I honestly don't think anybody is. I think they're doing their own thing. I do too, but also at the same time, the idea that it could happen exists in the back of your brain and this isn't again it's not making excuses it's just something that all these things do play into what your mindset could be coming into work on any given wednesday or whatever day you're clocking in to do something i think the the bigger thing is a steel's presence backstage on this because i don't know how the the jacksons and omega feel about a steel i mean if he threw the chair and hit one of them we look, we saw the bite marks on kenny omega there wasn't much hiding that i don't know how they feel about that and is still all these months later and can they be backstage with this guy because if they can't then that's a whole other issue and i understand why cm punk he's he's loyal he's ride or die for his guy and everything and he wants to you know he he wants to give give him a job and he it seems like you know a still working remotely is one thing punk's like no why isn't this guy on the road like it seems dumb to just pay him to to stay at home and work remotely i'm sure punk wants an extra ally there as well so i i'm, I'm sure that's a thing too um there, there's a lot of there's a lot of factors on this and one thing that i don't think you know, it's brought up enough is they're doing this roster split, right? Like we don't, it's hard. It's soft. It seems like it's going to be hard for right now until it gets taken care of and it's soft again. Um, Stop it. But, but like, shouldn't the EVPs be at all of these shows? Like, shouldn't they be at, the collision tapings as well. They're they're the EVPs. Like they should be present at every show and helping with this stuff. And the fact that it doesn't seem like they will be because they they don't get along with with certain people. Like I don't think that's a good look for the company either. Um so there's there's just a lot of backstage factors that you know, all access apparently can't answer because they can't talk about certain things. I the whole thing hinging on a steel is I I got nothing but respect for, for CM Punk for basically trying to get as much as he can out of this because they be, it seems like from an outsider 
perspective, it seems like Collision and this whole roster thing was announced because, hey, we need CM Punk back. How do we get him back in the, the safest way possible? And so they, they did this show, and Punk probably knows this. He's like, look, you might not have this second show without me. So, yeah, I want Ace back. I want this. I want that. And, you know, does Tony acquiesce to this? How does he mitigate all of this? That's that's going to be a question for him to answer. He looked, I don't know when they, they pre-taped the collision thing. Like, you, you can kind of tell when Tony is on screen and stuff. Um, he seemed happy on, on screen on Dynamite. It was a big day for AEW, despite everything else that was going on. But he's got to he's got to figure something out here when it comes to to Ace Steel and CM Punk. You know, we kind of suspected things might blow up with Punk if he did return. When he did return, he's not even officially back yet, and all of this has already happened. Like once he comes back, I can't imagine how this is all going to play out. There is no band aid big enough. Once again, uh, I'm also starting to think that maybe Punk. Um won that game of Uno at Impact, and that's what kept Ace Steel out of Impact. Because VW Insider did report that Impact was interested in bringing in Ace Steel, but Steel said no. And then here we are, Ace Steel potentially, presumably, allegedly, back in AEW. CM Punk, allegedly, possibly, still at home. <laughs> with we don't know there there were uh five selected reported that there were plans for an aw camera crew to film materials at cm punk's home on wednesday we're not told if it actually happened so that's another layer to the story is did they get to go and film anything at at punk's house uh is this going to be something that's used in future in, in future articles or future video for aw i don't know nobody does I, I still find it hilarious that every time Punk is in the news cycle, it's it's CM Punk's doing in this case, in a lot of time, in a lot of the cases, and then he'll go and say, "Stop talking about me," and we'll be like, "You started it. This is it's a, it's a thing, and it's kind of gaslighty." That that part is the most frustrating to me, at least, because yesterday I'm I'm on the subway in Toronto and I'm just like, just doing my thing i'm just listening to a podcast and people are talking about punk and like the first thing someone's asked is like how do you feel and the, their response is immediately i'm so sick of talking about cm punk and I, I i just thought to myself i'm like so am i but also that's what gets people talking that's where we are you know we made jokes about the plus delta and and tony khan knowing that punk is a draw yeah he is and he continues to to bring in numbers for everyone and their brother's podcasts and shows. However, if this continues to happen, more and more people are going to say, I'm so sick and tired of talking about CM Punk. And they're going to get closer to the Steven Jensen approach, which is, I told you so, do we have to talk about him anymore? And like, and I get it. And, and there are days where I'm much closer to that than I am wanting to dissect whatever the hell's going on. Like, come back, do the shows, let's figure the shit out, or don't. Or don't. And, and, and if you don't, guess what? There's a lot of really good stuff going on in AEW right now that continues to build in a positive way. There's stuff that could get better, but 
again, we give that time. Uh, and, and you get to a point where you're just like, you know what? Do you really need him back? Do you really need CM Punk back? Do you really need Ace Steel? What do you really need as a company that's still growing, you know, less than five years old? What do you really need? You know who's underrated in all of this? Uh, Brian Danielson? <laughs> no, Brian Danielson's the GOAT. Who's underrated in all of this is the chaos agent, Chris Jericho. Because Chris Jericho, he's going to play side A, he's going to play side B, and that's how he wins, baby. He's Mac from Always Sunny. You play both sides, and that's how you win. Seems like he's got a good relationship with the Bucks and Kenny. He's young Buck Chris Jericho on the cruise, Winnipeg man Kenny Omega. And also, like, let me meet with, with Punk and see how that's going. Let, you know, Ace Steel should come back. Yeah, this is apparently a Chris Jericho suggestion is the ace deal thing. The chaos agent, Chris Jericho, has been really underrated in all. I mean, Punk called him a stooge in the in the one Instagram story a month or so ago, however long ago it was at this point. Jericho, him just trying to play both sides, trying to he's in the Chris Jericho business basically. And he's got power now in the creative way well, you sign that new deal. And he's got some uh, responsibilities backstage and role and creative and everything like Jericho is the one who is just, he's flying under the radar and whatever burns Jericho's going to rise from all of this. The Phoenix Chris Jericho. Whenever Chris Jericho starts eating L's on TV, that's when you know something real is going on backstage with Chris Jericho. And that's exactly what happened this past week on Dynamite. He he eats an L to Roddy Strong in his day de- in Strong's debut singles match. And uh yeah, now he's gonna go backstage and just be like, get me a steal <laughs> and get a seat. They're they're gonna do a, a sit-down. It's gonna be a steal and CM Punk, Chris Jericho, and like, I don't know, what like Dana Massey, like one of you know, whichever young buck wife that is. I'm sorry, I don't remember which is which. Uh, who whose partner? That's Mrs. Who. Matt. That's Mrs. Matt. Mrs. Matt, thank you. So I, yeah. I, I don't. That's one thing I just can't keep track of. Um, and so yeah, it'll be it'll be those four, and those four alone will be the ones to figure it all out. And maybe like a mental health counselor. I think there's one now in AEW that might be able to help them. So that would be good. Uh, Jericho is. You're right. He is the agent of chaos, but because he's so well-respected back there and he's so good at, it's not even about playing each side. It's he's so good at, uh, at PRing himself through this whole thing and navigating those waters. He, he does it well enough that you can go to him and, yeah, just talk to him, I guess. And I don't get it. You know, I guess, it, listen, it comes down to whether or not you trust him. A lot of people seem to because he's been in the business for so long because Tony Khan really believes in him uh, and and says so much. And, of course, Wade Keller once upon a time telling the story about, you know, some some wrestler going up and asking, oh, where's Tony Khan? And being told, oh, he's with Chris, you know, in, in his hotel room or in this booth at this restaurant. That Tony Khan spends a lot of time with Chris Jericho, allegedly. There's a a synergy and a respect there. So 
who knows? Maybe Jericho is the guy who who ends up putting all this together. Because Jericho is one; he's been around forever. He was there in WCW when it was hot, and then it started to take the downturn. He got he got out of there before anybody, really. Like he was one of the first to sort of jump over to to WWE. Big entrance with the, he was there the entire time with WWE through that whole run worked with rock work with austin worked with all the top names in, in that time had the big relationship with, with vince mcmahon hot and cold relationship but still was around vince for many years went to new japan unafraid to do that really and jericho will take credit for it rightfully so tony khan will give him credit for it rightfully so jericho jumping to aew to start was a bigger deal than I think still a lot of a lot of wrestling fans give credit for. If it's just Omega, the elite, and everything, that does it work, yeah. But is it quite as big? Probably not. Jericho gave them some real big cachet to to start with. And I don't think people do give him enough credit on that. Yeah, A Shock mentioned ECW. He was there. That Jericho Jericho's fought Goldberg. He's not he was gonna bite Brock Lesnar's nose off. Like it, he's not afraid of Kissed this his stuff. Forehead. Kissed his forehead. He's he's been around a lot of situations. He's dealt with a lot of stuff over the years. And he does in, in positive ways, negative ways, uh, who knows? Like he makes himself available though. And he he nurtures all of these relationships. And it's not just wrestler relationships. Look at the people he's he has on his podcast and everything. He had Raph Mori on today's show, the, the VP of, of live events. That's somebody who's also been around forever. Like he nurtures so many relationships with so many people. And people just trust Jericho. And even though like when he does this, when it seems like he's playing both sides, people just take it as like, look at Chris. He's trying to he's trying to bring everybody together. He's trying to make sure everybody gets what they want here. Oh, Sam Punk wants Ace Steel back? Okay. You know, that's good. Wait a second. Sam Punk doesn't actually like Chris Jericho, but Chris is being big enough to go talk to him and do this for Punk. That's that's a good move by Jericho. We know Jericho's friendly with the Bucks and Omega. And all those guys. So if Chris can extend this olive branch, then maybe they can as well. Like he's he's a smart man. That's how you last in this business this long. Cause it's uh, you know, you hear all the stories of the business. Chris Jericho's a smart man, not only last, but to be in the role he is in at this age and still at this level. <sighs> Doesn't get enough credit, honestly, for a lot of things. Doesn't get enough credit, Chris Jericho. It's true. And he doesn't undercut himself either. So, you know, he, he gets the credit, but I think history will show that he maybe deserves a little bit more, but again, he doesn't, doesn't necessarily want to blow himself up and be the, the Hulk Hogan of his generation and start, you know, just, just talking to talk. Uh, I think that's, that's where he's, that's where he's so smart though, because the knock on Jericho in the eyes of casual fans and everything is like, he wasn't the draw that Austin rock Hogan, all these guys were. But this is where he is smart is because he's not that draw. He can just take some L's and everything. He can lose the action and ready and like, look what I did. What's action and ready benefit out of that? The the feud with Ricky, like Ricky is now DQing himself in the main event on Wednesday. 
Meanwhile, people are still talking about Jericho and the, the street fight he had against Roddy Strong. And they're talking about that feud that, that's going on with, with Adam Cole and everything. And he's going to be in a great position on that card against Adam Cole, where Ricky, maybe he gets this match against Jay White at Double or Nothing. Maybe they do it on the Rampage before Double or Nothing at this point, or the Dynamite before. But Jericho always comes out. The A winner is him, Chris Jericho. Are you insinuating that Chris Jericho and a feud with Chris Jericho much like a feud with the fiend Bray Wyatt changes you afterwards. Maybe. Or the worst Maybe. in many cases. <laughs> uh, Jericho has done very good things. He He's done what he feels he needed to do to elevate people. The follow-up, and I don't always think this is Jericho's fault, mind you. The follow-up just hasn't been good because Jericho is going to stay Jericho. He, he can lose these feuds and then he's like, okay, well, I want to feud with this guy nicely. Okay. It's up to other people to when Jericho does and is willing to lose, it's up to other people to be like, okay, they just beat Chris Jericho. Let's elevate them now and not let's keep them off of television and put them in ROH months later. That's so, not Chris's fault. So, okay. Uh, before we go back to the CM Punk stuff, who does Jericho beat this coming week on dynamite before he loses to Adam Cole Bay Bay at double or nothing. Is he, he didn't have a match announced or anything. I guess they'll announce more matches, no. but, uh, but with the way things were going after dynamite, you have to assume that we're going to Jericho and Cole at double or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who's a good win for, for Chris Jericho. They're not afraid to, to beat. They, they, Jericho beat Keith Lee already, right? Yeah, Swerve interfered, and he beat Keith Lee. I don't know if you can go back to that. Maybe he just beats Roddy, unfortunately. Like, he got his win in a street fight. Let's do a rematch, you know, uh, in an actual match and everything, and then Jericho cheats to win that match, and then that sets up the the Adam Cole match. I, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm just kind of struggling off the top of my head of, like, who's a decent enough win for Jericho in this spot. I actually don't know if he needs a win. I think they can just do a promo segment. I don't, I, and maybe he just, you know, takes out Adam Cole and he stands tall. I don't, I, if he has a match, Roddy, as much as I don't want Roddy to like lose or anything, um, like that, that makes some sense. Otherwise, I don't even know if you need to do a match. I think it'd be better if just do a promo segment, set up the match. Jericho blindsides Cole, whatever it might be. Get Britt involved again if you need to, and 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 go from there. We'll get uh, we'll get further into the dynamite stuff in a minute, but just uh, to go back from the Jericho stuff, uh, Jericho and Danhausen's another connection that you didn't really mention in your uh, your little connections between uh, CM Punk and Chris Jericho and Jericho's connections to to his friends. Uh, yeah, that and that's a, just another. Another link in the chain for Chris Jericho to use when dealing with the CM Punk a steel situation. Um, in a lot of ways, Chris Jericho, match or not, Jericho is the right link to at least extend the olive branch when it comes to Punk and the locker room sentiment. Tony Khan is not the locker room guy. Tony Khan is the business guy running that program, running that promotion. If everything's good there, 
that's step one. Step two is coming back into a locker room that is very much split. And so having Jericho on your side, I don't care if it's, if it's real or not, having at least the, the support of Chris Jericho to bring CM Punk back in the locker room and be like, hey, you know, maybe there'll be some words exchanged some, in the locker room from Punk to people. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it's Jericho coming in and being like, I know this guy did some things, but hear me out, hear him out, blah, blah, blah. There's room to at least uh, have Punk ingratiate himself and reintegrate himself with Jericho standing behind him. And that works. That that gets you a little bit closer to finding some sort of balance in that locker room. Bren says, bring in Bobby Fish for one match to take an L. This is a good idea in theory until Bob Bobby Fish starts <laughs> shooting on people. And he starts shooting on Jericho sure. mid-match. And then Jericho don't want that smoke. Goldberg, Brock, sure. He don't want the Bob Fish smoke though, baby. That's true. Where is the lie, Jeremy Lambert? Where is the lie? You see but- Bob Fish in that boxing match? He'd mess up Chris Jericho. He was throwing some haymakers out there. It looked like a modern-day KSI with the way he was throwing those punches. Yeah, but apparently that got overturned. That KSI fight result. Oh, that it when he elbowed that dude? Eh. It is now a no decision. No. <laughs> so there you go. What a fight that was. Brian Pillman Jr. against Jericho. Sure. Is he on TV? He's on someone's TV. I don't know who's though. Okay. Brock Anderson out there. Yeah. Yeah. Bring back Griff Garrison. You know, I know he's injured, but he's getting closer to a return per Brian Pillman in an interview that Sean Ross had with them. Go ahead. Do that. Go, Go have Griff Garrison in his first match back. Jericho versus Jungle Boy. Wow. Rush already tried to kill him, so Jericho's uh, just going to try and do it too. That was that was that was something that Rush and Jungle Boy match. That was something. Look, man, I've said a billion times, and this is not news to anyone. Rush hates doing jobs. He hates losing. He thinks it devalues his character. Whatever the reasoning is, he hates it. For some reason, Tony Khan, much like Court Bauer, has been able to like convince some of these wrestlers that it's okay to lose. And then I'll make it up to you later, brother, brother. In this case, what they did with Roosh was almost masterful negotiation. You're going to lose. It's going to be a roll-up with the tights. You're going to lose, and then you're going to beat the shit out of the guy afterwards, and the rest of your group will too. You're going to lose but you're probably going to set up a six-man tag between you and, and your group versus the, the three men who are main eventing the next pay-per-view. So they found a way to make it work, but man, that match was brutal. Didn't, didn't do, it was a good match. Just didn't do Jungle Boy any favors. Not at all. When going into things, like I was like, why isn't Roosh in this Pillars match? This is, he looked much better here than, than jungle boy um i've seen some some people say and by by some people i mean like one reddit poster say that essentially the story they're telling with the pillars is jungle boy doesn't know who he is and they, this is all you know mjf is is kind of said all this stuff but jungle boy doesn't know who he is and so like now he's having to cheat to win because he's unsure of himself darby the loner doesn't know who he is. So now he is aligning 
with Sammy and Jungle Boy and showing respect and everything. Sammy, the ultimate jerk off, doesn't know who he is. So now he's trying to be like a baby face in this and he wants to be friends. But MJF is the one guy who actually knows who he is. He's the, he's the devil. And that's why he's going to end up winning. If this is their deep storytelling, if they, if this is true, like this person could just be completely, you know, you know how it is. I, I do this jokingly all the time with like Bray Wyatt stuff of like, here's the deep layers that you guys are all missing here. Um, if this is true and this is their deep storytelling and everything, one, they're not conveying it that well on television and maybe clue in a little bit with the announcers to put this over. You don't got to hit people over the head with it, but you need to do a little bit to convey this story better because what I'm seeing out there is a bunch of guys who just aren't ready for this spot. They they are not ready to be in this match. The promos have not been good. The for, from certain people, the match like the the matches have been fine, sure, but in the case of Jungle Boy, good match, but didn't feel like he benefited too much from there. I think the characters have been all over the place. And if this is true, if you're trying to do this deep layered storytelling type of thing, I don't think this is the match to, to do it. Not the first one anyway, because you had these guys clearly defined going into this. And now you've just jumbled everything by trying to potentially do this big jumbled mess. Cause I'm, I don't know who I'm rooting for at this point. Jungle Boy is coming off like a jerk. He needs to cheat to win. Darby, Darby's fine, but he's the loner vibe type of thing. Like you either kind of connect with Darby or you don't, it feels like for me. And I know a lot of people do and good on him. He, he, he has established that connection. He's not like a pure, pure baby face. Sammy has been despicable, hated all this time on television. And MJF is MJF. Like there's nobody that I'm like really rooting for of like, Hey, I want the title on this guy. It, the whole thing's just been jumbled. And if they're trying to do this deep storytelling, I think the reactions have kind of shown it ain't really working. And again, I've said this a few times, you could have set this match up with a series of matches to get there and get to this four pillars thing. Could have been a mini tournament, but also like you said, the storytelling has been, it's been lackluster and I think it's, this isn't a hot take, but double or nothing's success uh, is not hinging on the pillars four way. It is now hinging on literally every other match that's been made. And so far, you know, I I've said this about impacts under siege event. That's going to be running next weekend as well on Friday. Macklin versus PCO is not the match. People are going to be there to see. They've stacked that card with a whole other group of matches that make you want to watch. Uh, but for now, the main events on both shows in this case are the weaker of the matches. They're the ones that aren't as, uh, as well, they're not the ones bringing you through the door quite as quickly. Anarchy in the arena, on the other hand, 
that's that's going to bring some people in the door. And I'm sure it's going to get a lot of people asking, is this the main event of the show? Because not only did it main event Dynamite itself the last few weeks, uh, this the storyline, the matches and the progression, but uh, you've got, you know, your biggest names in the company all in one match in what is, it's a sensory overload match. It happens everywhere. Things happen. They, they played the music for 20 minutes last time. And so they have to tell a story that that is, uh, that's either cohesive enough to keep people engaged for the main event, or they have to do it in the middle of the show and let people catch their breath going into the world title match because it's rare that Tony Khan is like, my world title match is not going on last. Uh, I think really the last time that happened was, uh, was it Stadium Stampede? Yeah, Stadium Stampede over the, uh, yeah, over the triple threat match with Omega, Pack and uh, Cassidy. How the tables have turned. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think they overcomplicated yes. th- this whole thing. Because the story is, these guys are the pillars. These guys are going to carry AEW into the future and stuff and they it felt like they tried that with the first promo everybody comes out interrupts mjf and then they explain why they should be the champion i think some people lost the plot in their promos and they they healed when they should have baby faced and it wasn't wasn't great but that at least made some sense of why these guys were going after the title why this match was going to be put together that 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 was a case though where maybe they went to meta and they should have just kept with what we've sort of seen on television with, with their promos. Cause jungle boy should be the baby face that everybody gets behind. He should be the clean cut baby face, especially coming after the Christian burying Christian alive of, you know, I overcame, he tried to drag me down to his level. You know, I did what I needed to do, but I, you know, I grew from that. And now the fans are really behind him because it feels like he's just gone a step backwards. And now he's going to just go into a dark side here with Jungle Boy. And if they're going to try to double turn Jungle Boy and Sammy, if that's the end goal out of this, then okay. Like, I I don't know if that's going to fully work, but at least you've got an end goal out of it. It just feels like they overcomplicated things. Just prop up Jungle Boy as this baby face who we were really behind. We saw a lot in, maybe wasn't the most polished complete wrestler of the group doesn't matter fans got behind him for one reason or another christian got behind him took him under his wing christian wanted to help him until he turned on him but he overcame that now here he is he's going after the title darby's darby darby pretty much sells himself and i don't think you needed oh i'll just go complain on twitter if i don't get what i want type of thing just let darby be darby and brood around and and skate and things like that. Sammy has really been all over the place because this man should just be, I don't want to say MJF light, but we've seen what Sammy has done. He's had the story with MJF with the, 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 um, before the inner circle and then which broke off into the pinnacle and everything that should have been more hammered home on this stuff. And Sammy's trusting him for some reason. Then of course, Ty gets involved. It's like, you can't trust him. And Sam's like, oh, it's fine. He's been all over the place on this. MJF's been largely MJF, but it's they overcomplicated it. Just you've defined who these people are through four years of work. These are your pillars. These are the guys you're looking to to lead into the next 
into the next iteration of AEW and everything. You've defined them through four years of work. Don't now try to get too big headed on this of, you know, galaxy brain of like, let's tell some deep layered storytelling of these guys don't actually know who they are when it comes to, to all of this. Just tell the story you've been telling for four years. There's a very interesting, not story, but the question of what happens after this match. MJF retains. We'll talk about what happens there in a second. Uh, going back to Sammy Guevara, it feels like he saw what was going on with the cut of All Access and said, I'm going to take this and bring it onto TV so that people are forced to to see my redemption story, as it were. Uh, the problem with that is not everyone who's watching Dynamite is watching All Access or is understanding of that story. That's that's something that AEW needs to work on to bring some some cohesiveness to the storytelling if it's happening off of their main shows. Uh, and we've talked about that often. So that's one. Uh, was All Access... Was was all access? Sorry, to cut you off. Was all access beneficial to AEW? From a business standpoint, yes, because Warner Brothers wants more of that, right? Warner Brothers Discovery seems to want more non-scripted wrestling, non-in-ring storytelling. So, you, ironically, a shot of brandy would have gone over extremely well as a show on the streaming platform, but not not happening. But All Access worked as, as a bit of a pilot show, uh, almost like their version of Total Divas. And that's, that's good. You know, having that faith to give an extra hour or even 45 minutes, whatever the, the cut is, uh, of, of TV show time to AEW, clearly there was a benefit there. Um, how you use those stories that you tell on the show into your main programming, how you fit them in, if at all, that's the bigger that's the bigger question. So that's where I sit with the Sammy Guevara stuff. And I don't even watch much of All Access. I see bits and pieces on, on social media. I never watched the show in full just because I never got into the to Total Divas and that style of storytelling. It's just I grew out of that. I didn't like it. Some people love it, and that's great. But for me, it just never did anything. Uh, but for Sammy, it seems like he wants to take the story that they were starting to tell there and bring that, kind of merge that into AEW storytelling and maybe try to turn him into a face don't know how that works, but maybe they're just going to try real hard. Darby's story after this is the one that actually uh, interests me both the most and the least because I don't expect much, but I also expect big because Sting is still in the background of this whole thing. So it's very possible that MJF pins Darby Allen at this show. Let's put that aside for a second. Jungle Boy. If you turn Jungle Boy heel... Suddenly, you've got Christian and Luchasaurus, who are both very firmly heels. And some people have been clamoring for the, the, the repartnering, the repairing of Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. As a heel tag team, that might be interesting to watch. As the guys who hold the maybe the AEW tag titles, while Christian holds the TNT title if he beats Wardlow in a ladder match by the way, which I love. Christian doing back-to-back pay-per-view stipulation matches. Uh, just phenomenal stuff. But Jungle Boy, if he turns heel, you can't not, you can't help yourself but want to see where the story plays out with his old counterparts. Now that everyone has a different point of view on, on life in wrestling. 
Um, you can shake your head all you want. You, you come back at me in a second. MJF, however, I don't know if you had read through the Observer this morning, but it seems like the original plan for the uh, the promo after the the Roosh Jungle Boy match and the way that played out. So in the promo, MJF just smacks that microphone out of Renee Paquette's hand and walks away. Originally, it was supposed to be something, there's supposed to be some talk, and then all of a sudden Britt Baker was going to come in and say, keep the title warm for Bebe, and then that all changed because reasons. Could have been just because they didn't want to have people look past the MJF Pillars match, uh, as, as obvious as it feels that MJF is going to retain at this show. Uh, they didn't want them seeing less value in the main event in this in this four pillars match uh or they just kind of figured well we're doing enough with adam cole and what's going on with jericho let's get past that and then we can tell the story later on because that might not even be happening until who knows when until after forbidden door for all we know so that's where mjf is he's his next challenger is tbd it could be adam cole it could be sting going back to the darby allen conversation we just started you gotta do something with sting you could do mjf versus sting you could do a tag match at uh at Wembley, that's a ways away, but who knows? So that's kind of where my brain is. That's why the four pillars match is both very interesting and very frustrating because they're almost using a world title match as a launching point for a bunch of different stories all in one, which is not typically where you use your world title match. I think they were, if they were sure that they cut that Britt Baker thing, I think they were smart to cut that because her saying that look maybe the the segment wasn't good what if they pre-taped it don't know it unnecessary for her to do that and basically kind of tip off things just we don't we don't need and again that feels like that was an overthink on their part let's plant the seeds for this feud we they're doing that online already all right you this is an online company right all the cm punk stuff is online like they're, they're doing they've done that I've done enough of that. That it just wasn't necessary. Focus on what you need to focus on. Brit's doing her own thing. You know, MJF is is middle of the pillar stuff. We don't need Brit saying baby to basically tip things off. So that was I think that was a good call not to cut it. This jungle boy thing that you have laid out of reuniting with Luchasaurus and Christian Cage would be the most backwards laziest decision i could think of because what should have happened out of this is jungle boy is a bigger baby face and again they've they've undercut that with these promos and everything so whoever put all that together they've already started that if they just go back okay jungle boy is now just back with christian cage what was the point of the whole turn of the whole feud of jungle boy overcoming demons and jungle boy, you know, Christian making fun of his dead dad and everything. Luchasaurus turning 300 times in two months. What was the point of all that? If jungle boy is just going to be heel and just be like, you know what, Christian, you were right. I actually, I, I needed to see the darkness and the light. And I, I'm with you again. Now, jungle, Jungle Boy should have been a much bigger baby face out of that. He's healed himself in promos. Whoever's laid that out or whatever. And, you know, again, this was when it goes to the online stuff. He's healing himself online with 
just comments and actions at conventions and stuff like that. Because I listened to his Q&A thing for uh, Monopoly events, love, love wrestling thing. Like, I listened to that. He ain't come off great during it. Like, when he's asking questions and people are like, hey, what should I do to become a wrestler? And Jungle Boy's like, just don't. Like, just maybe don't do that. And, you know, he's saying, uh, well, you know, what, what's one wrestling match you'd want to watch when you were die? And he's like, I wouldn't want to watch wrestling. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Maybe you don't want to. Uh, you know, if I'm on deathbed, I ain't trying to watch wrestling either. But, like, if you are a wrestler in this environment, just give a match. Like, he just seemed very, he didn't want to be there. He was there, so he didn't get fined for that event. And it, it just wasn't the best look and i'm not saying like everybody of course has seen this knows about this and everything but there are plenty of people who are online and who do see this and for a guy who should be this big clean cut baby face he's kind of he's been healing himself on television and off television on the all access thing i brought that up because yes in, in ways it was good at more programming nurture the relationship with uh warner brothers and and everything that's good the issue when it comes to this is the blending of it right because this is stuff that played out months ago months ago like start of the year more or less even going back to last year is when it happened you don't need to blend this onto television just let it live in its own little separate world and, and people can basically deduce that what is happening on television is right or wrong. They're, they're playing characters. They, they are playing characters on this TV show. But when you do want to try to blend this stuff, then stuff, just, it gets, it gets muddy because you're trying to blend stuff from months ago on this. And it, it, it's, it's not needed that or figure it out before you're going to launch all access and then go go from there and turn it beforehand or just don't just don't do it just don't do the all access show you know just just let it let it be but i i think total divas in some cases muddied things because it's like okay how do we blend this into the show but now wait this is not the person we see on tv this is not who we see on the television show and of course they're telling them when it comes to these shows like yeah, not everything you see on TV is reality. Not everything you see on the reality show is reality type of things. Just let it exist in its own little environment type of things because I truly don't think that the people, I don't think it's a total diva situation and maybe I'm wrong. I don't think it's a total diva situation where it's like, oh, we're going to get reality TV fans watching total divas. Now they're going to come over and watch WWE. With all access, I think it was, hey, Here's AEW fans who already watched the show now want to see behind the scenes stuff and they're going to watch it. I mean, the fact that it didn't really retain, it, it retained some viewership, but it cut to about a third or so. I think it was just AEW fans sticking around. Let's see what happens. And those fans probably know like it's a separate entity. It was months ago. Whether it's poor timing that All Access came out or poor decision of, hey, let's bring this, what you see on All Access. Because now All, All Access is over. So it's a show that no longer exists on, on television weekly. Now you're still trying to babyface this person. It's, just don't bring it to TV. Keep it as two separate entities. 
By the way, uh, stick around because in about uh, 20 minutes, give or take, we're going to have Alex Coughlin here from the New Japan LA Dojo. He's got some big matches coming up, so looking forward to talking to him. Uh, but going back to uh, what's going on with AEW and Double or Nothing, we also had the announcement of the Battle Royale, the 21-man casino Battle Royale for the International Championship. Orange Cassie, of course, going to be a part of that. I assume Kyle Fletcher is going to be a part of that because that match has not happened yet, but it's on the table. Uh, who else do you peg for this battle royale at Double or Nothing? Jake Roberts at number twenty-two, baby. They want to play twenty. They want to play twenty-one. He's got twenty-two. Well, That's what if he brings out Lance Archer instead? Yeah, Lance Archer at twenty-two would be great. Just twenty. Just. That's a wink and a nod I can appreciate right there is everyone thinks it's 21 and then you just air the Jake Roberts promo. I don't know if they have rights to it, if they can get rights to it. You air the Jake Roberts promo before it comes out of, you want to play 21? I'll play 22. Everybody dies. And here comes Lance Archer. You can just have him recut the promo on like the Lance Archer farm when they first introduced uh, the two pairing. That's fine with me. I, I, listen, I don't hate the idea. I think it's absolutely asinine. To, people are going to just shit all over it. But like, if you explain it or you have the right, again, going back to, I don't like it when social accounts have to explain things to people. But if you have the right social account explaining it to the people, eh, I might make do with it. Uh, that being said, I, I love what they're doing with Orange Cassidy right now. How he is, he's, he's tired. He's getting broken down. He is... Sure. He's having the, yeah, exactly. He has having matches every week on the shows. He is actively defending his ta- his championship. And eventually whoever takes it not only will look good, but also the story's there for Cassidy. He just, he went too hard and a champion finally let his guard down or finally failed because he's tired and they're selling it so well. I'm really looking forward to it. I expect him to retain in the battle Royal. It would be strange for him not to. I think there's still a singles match for one person to get that title back or get that title off of off of Orange Cassidy and onto somebody else. Uh, I think there's a, there's, there's a singles match that's going to do that. I would rather see Orange Cassidy outlast the field, whether he comes out first or whatever, and then get closer to losing that title. Um, who knows? Maybe even at Forbidden Door because that's a month later. I think you could go here with powerhouse as the guy who might win this this battle royal. Do we I think love- like we we know like Andrade is returning at least for Collision? Is he maybe in this? Is Miro maybe in this as well? I, I could see them one of them getting it because I don't know what they're doing with the T. I know Christian's the, the T uh, in the TNT title match against Wardlow. Wardlow is not on the promotional material for Collision. I don't know I don't know if the TNT title is part of Collision at this point. I don't know if it remains on Dynamite how that's going to work. If Orange Cassidy's going back and forth between both shows or anything like that, but it seems like you want to establish a title on Collision. And if Orange Cassidy is going to kind of stay on Dynamite, you got guys who could establish a title on Collision. and and take the international title off of orange Cassidy without actually beating orange Cassidy. Although I imagine orange Cassidy would, you know, it would actually make sense if orange Cassidy doesn't care about a rematch. He's like, no, I lost. What are you going to do? He tossed me over the top rope. You saw it. I'm going to go take some time off. I'll see you guys in a few minutes. 
And then he just he doesn't even walk away. He just like fades. Just like falls. like Star Trek. He just fades into nothing. <laughs> He's transported to the beach and nobody asks questions. You got best friends just look at each other being like, that's how he does it, I guess. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah, I think the TNT title should be on TNT, by the way. But I don't know if Christian's gonna win that belt. I I don't know if Wardlow's gonna be on collision and you know establish that there he probably should be they can't they should not take the title off of Wardlow this quickly they don't need hot potato this title so much anymore and i like christian i actually wouldn't mind him with the belt he's fantastic um but i don't i don't think he's gonna he's gonna win it or anything so we'll see what they do with the tnt title but i do agree like it probably should be on tnt much like the tbs title probably should be on tbs a little bit more which it's not at all. Well, again, remember, according to Sean's reporting, when it came to an AEW draft, the idea being that talent holding titles would float between the shows. And again, as long as they're actively on those shows and defending those titles, then yeah, let's go. But you got to get there first. And we're not there right now with the titles that we have. Not every single title in AEW is defended every single week or on the shows that they have, they're not extensively in stories. House of Black, what are they doing for Double or Nothing? We don't know yet. It would be great. They got open door. Their door's open. Just I anybody mean, walk on through. <laughs> you got Malachi Black, whose birthday is today, by the way. Happy birthday, Malachi Black, saying, uh, come and knock on my door. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's Three's no, Company. It. It's a three's, <laughs> three's Company. Malachi, Brody, and Buddy, Buddy Matthews. Come on, knock on their door. They've been waiting for you. You got the thing and the thing and the thing and the thing. Three's company too. Wouldn't that make it five? Three's company. Well, two. and then they find another partner. So it's three. Seems bad. I don't know what they're going to do with the trios titles at double or nothing, but if they have an open door match, they got to put, they got to do something, right? Or do they just not have the trios titles defended at the show? Imagine they do something, but I, what that is, hey, this is where, kind of the open door thing works is you can just throw together any three people and it'll it'll make some sort of sense put here comes action andretti uh don uh darius martin because dante's hurt um and ar fox there you go there's the three people who who walk through the door for double or nothing i mean it should be the uh was it the acclaimed daddy ass? They won that battle royale not too long ago. It should be, but I don't know what's going on there. They did win that battle royal, but they've got a match on Rampage, so there is that. Oh. It's a shame that team's been reduced to Rampage at this point. What are we doing? Very strange. I don't know what to expect out of that. Uh do you wanna you wanna hit on a on a couple of WWE things before we uh do this? I'm I'm interested in this Tony Khan, uh, not Tony, Nick Khan. We just talked about Tony for the last hour and a bit. Uh, this Nick Khan interview, talking about WWE going back to India, talking about uh, some of the, the rights negotiations and some of his expectations. Uh, where do you want to start with this? Because there there was a lot left on the table from this Nick Khan conversation. There there was. Um, is this Sean Ross Sapp in the chat? Or was that you? Okay. <laughs> not me okay all right no the no i thought that was i thought i was the number one overall draft pick i uh, sean I, why isn't he just running on the show like he usually does now he's just messing here on the chat the eggs are hitting good today oh i guess so he's in um, 
it was like a 44 minute interview with uh nick khan at the this conference and yeah he said he said a lot i think you know the biggest takeaways are going to be india they're going to do a show didn't really clarify if it's a premium live event if it's just like a live taping or if it's just going to be like a just house show type of thing that's going to be a september though i guess they're still trying to lock everything down for that i kind of think it'll be a premium live event because they they did clash the castle in september last year so it seems like this might be a thing that sort of replaces clash the castle as like their september show because i I don't think they're going to go back to um clash the castle uh, you know go back over to, to wales for that so that that was a big thing the more curious thing was him promoting amazon a lot yeah and, and mentioning that you know yeah friday night smackdown used to be on thursdays used to be on tuesdays he even said he outright said by the way i i listed the whole thing i got the quote on this of if we were advising the pac 12 which we're not that's football conference college football conference Joel. if we were advising the pac 12 we would tell them to sign with amazon like huh you were you basically saying that if you were advising, you know, a, a college football division here, you would just tell them to sign with Amazon while you are negotiating your own media rights. So does that mean you were saying you were going to sign with Amazon? And he also mentioned, you know, they're trying to program pri- uh, nights of the week. Maybe they have Pac-12 football. That's their Tuesday night even though football is usually on the weekends. So it's their, their, their Saturday night, but you know, football could be during the week if it needs to. That's their Tuesday. They've got Thursday night football. So, okay, if we want SmackDown on Wednesdays. That's what I was going to we, say. We'll be on Wednesdays if that's what Amazon wants. He also said, he also said, you know, we want to do content every day of the week if we could. And he's like, you know, a unique product every day. So I guess the way he sees it, Raw's unique, NXT's unique, SmackDown's unique. They mentioned they've had internal discussions about some type of Lucha Libre show, but did uh did did um you know pull back a little bit and say like if that happened, it wouldn't be until the merger comes through or anything like that. So th- there's no immediate plans or anything like that. But the fact that they like have discussed a specific show and have seemingly discussed, hey, we might be able to run every night of the week if we can figure out the product here. I thought that was the two biggest takeaways on this. The Amazon thing. That w- he was laying on thick with Amazon. All right. I know Nick Khan got that Prime subscription. He... He's 100% got the prime. He was trying to next day deliver himself to Amazon the way he was talking about that company. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering what that what that would look like. You'd air it on Twitch next day or would you do live on Twitch? And it, what's hilarious to me, not even hilarious, just what's what's really fitting to this whole thing is that Tim and I on our show on Overbooked once upon a time, this may have been even before we did Overbooked. Uh Tim and I, we talked about how soon WWE would wind up on a platform like Twitch. And I said in the next five to 10 years, but here we are less than five. And there's a possibility of Amazon gaining the rights to one of a WWE products. And that's big news. So I don't know what to expect there. Nikon did say like they did prefer broadcast. 
He was he was clear on that and saying they did prefer like a broadcast deal. I imagine if a broadcast deal comes along, that would be taken over Amazon if it's the, the right deal for them. But he was still laying it on with Amazon. He also said they were looking for a 1.5 uh you know increase which you know they got a billion on the last deal so now i guess they're looking for 1.5 billion on this they think the market is good i got no reason to doubt that the market ain't good i think AEW getting more programming almost helps them in a sense of like look what we've kind of helped cultivate here when it comes to wrestling and they just got an extra two hours look at our numbers out here like we're way above what they're pulling so i think that might help them a little bit they're gonna get a good deal out of this you know when did when do they announce this they had the the negotiating window with fox and nbcu i don't know if that's passed yet or not it does seem like if they had reached a deal with either one of them that may have already been announced i also think that they're probably just gonna announce both of these deals at the same time instead of one first and then another one a few weeks down the line it feels like they're negotiating sort of all together with this and weighing their options with uh with everything there kai kai makes a good point of saying considering amazon owns twitch they just have done the deal with twitch that that sean reported on they they signed to where wrestlers can stream on twitch again like that's certainly that's certainly a possibility there is that they, they feel Amazon is a, a good home for them after, especially after doing a deal with Twitch. And there would be a lot of synergy of our shows, our live shows are on Amazon, our superstars stream on Twitch. You can watch the show next day on Twitch. That, that could be a good deal for them. Don't forget about the bump. Never forget about the bump. Just never, yes. never forget about that. Uh, Matt McClure sent us a super chat uh, praising us. We appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, saying that he mega appreciates the concept. Well, we mega appreciate your money. $50 and Jeremy will be able to go to uh, fast, uh, fast 10 tonight. So how about that? Uh, by the way, uh, this opens up the door for the return of Los Super Astros for WWE. And I'm all for it. Do you remember Los Super Astros? No. Weren't they accused of cheating and that's how they won the World Series? yes they were banging on garbage cans but low super astros in the the wwf at the time was a television show that was focused on the spanish-speaking stars and also was a spanish language uh formatted show so that is something that uh has existed in the wwe universe before and bringing it back as a bigger tv show speaking with you know spanish-speaking wrestlers who they have quite a few uh you could do a program like that, do a lucha show. I don't hate the idea of it. Doesn't have to be more than an hour. Tell a few stories, get in and get out. Air it on Twitch. Advocate, I'm gonna advocate for uh Luis Polito to to get a get a raise out of that if if that's what happens. Trying to get everybody money but you, Joel. That's that's the main thing I do around here. Just make sure everyone gets paid but Joel Pearl. Mainly myself. Yeah, I was going to say, you get yourself paid first, but I can't. (laughs) It's all right. I get it. Uh, Alex Coughlin is going to be joining us very shortly here on the show. Very much looking forward to talking to him about uh, all things New Japan Pro Wrestling and a whole lot of other things. He's had appearances with AEW. Uh, He's had uh, some Multiverse United stuff uh, back back in WrestleMania weekend. He's got a big match at New Japan Resurgence this weekend, taking on Christopher Daniels, the Fallen Angel. Uh, And of course, we mentioned at the top of the show, that he's got a big match that was just announced on June the 1st 
against Katsuyara Shibata for the Ring of Honor Pure Championship. He'll be with us shortly. Uh, is there anything else from that Nick Khan, uh, Maffitt Nathanson, that's what it was, conference, that uh, we want to touch on? The India deal, that the, the India show is a big deal. Uh, do you put the belts on Indushare? Does Indushare go for the tag titles in that show? You got to do something, right? I imagine they'll be involved somehow on this. I mean, they're back on television now. You got till September to heat them up a little bit and then go from there. Everybody loses in their hometown. So I assume they just lose because, you know, no one can win uh, when they're in their hometown. But yeah, I, I they'll be involved one way or another. I think the other big things out of that were, you know, I mentioned Vince. And when Vince came back, it was, you know, I'm committed to the street strategic alternatives which ended up being the sale um so that was what vince said and then of course he still got in the weeds and did creative uh, allegedly maybe after wrestlemania definitely definitely didn't but also did after wrestlemania and so that the the one thing that was interesting to me is he talked about bad bunny and logan paul and he talked about how these deals kind of came together and he talked about like it was it was somebody in the office of they saw bad bunny do the triple h entrance at a miami heat game and then it was the pandemic and they just reached out to him they're like hey we saw this seems like you're a wrestling fan do you want to come in and do and be part of this at the pandemic bad bunny's like yeah for logan paul that was, I guess, like an entertainment relations department. People in that department were pitching Logan Paul of like, hey, we should get this guy. Like, bring this guy in. He's going to be big. And so they reached out and they did this. I found this interesting in that I always wondered like how the celebrity involvement sort of works. Like who makes that decision? Who is kind of pitching this stuff? And in the case of of Bad Bunny, it was... I. I'll, I'll say what the, the the actual quote is. There was a New York Times Sunday Magazine cover with Bad Bunny on it. I didn't know Bad Bunny's music that well at the time. This was pre-vaccine COVID, so October 2020. Read the article, and a young lady who works with us said, I don't know if you know, but Bad Bunny is a huge wrestling fan. Showed me his Instagram feed. Triple H did this water routine. Bad Bunny did it at a Miami Heat game. He was a huge fan. Which some random person is like, hey, this Bad Bunny guy who's on this cover wrestling fan maybe we should reach out to him people in the entertainment department logan paul feels like he's going to be a big deal does athletic stuff wrestling fan maybe we should reach out to him it's very interesting just how that kind of entertainment side comes together and how they secure those deals i mean yeah that's also a lot of the times how the nil deals come together it's it's scouting it's scouting and reporting and yeah this is a totally different version of that in that these are not uh athletes who are outwardly saying they want to do more athletic things logan paul obviously was doing uh, the boxing stuff beforehand but uh this it's similar but different and i i kind of understood where they were going to come from trying to get bad money you do have to reach out you have to go through more channels than just speaking to wrestler x on the independence trying to get a tryout this is different this is a special occasion but it's at the, at its core it's still the same it's still the same thing we're trying to do, right? We're still trying to do the wrestling match. We're still trying to get that together. So I find that I, I do find it interesting. It's just very, um, I don't know, it, it's very cool. It's just very different. I wonder of 
also just like who else they you know pitch kind of internally pit who they they reached out to the, the one lady claimed that she got like a hundred million dollar offer and everything and wwe was like nope that ain't true at all um yeah but i do wonder like i imagine they probably reached out to her and tried to want wanted to do something with her it feels like they probably pitch a lot of celebrities that don't work out for for one way for one reason or another and i wonder who like they they kind of do discuss internally and who they have reached out to and who got kind of close henry cejudo was just did an interview he said like you know it was almost went down there and this was kind of before he signed with ufc and everything but almost went down there did a tryout and everything and like it just wasn't want to be the atomic flea which i don't know how that would have worked um like i i'm very curious of kind of the internal discussions they they have i find these nick nick Khan calls very fascinating because he's pretty open about yeah. stuff willing to discuss internal stuff and gives a lot of insight on everything he does and it, it is very refreshing in a lot of ways because he know he knows how to speak you know whether he, whether or not he's telling you the full truth he at least knows how to make it interesting and how to bring a lot of conversation out of what he says and i appreciate that it's good it's uh, it's nice to have that yeah uh, fascinating call if you if you haven't listened to it it's available you know we're running a bunch of quotes from yeah. it if you were up on the site now so you can check that out you know what else is fascinating joel pro look a smooth transition here new japan resurgence on may 21st it's gonna be headlined by the crowning of a new or the first ever new japan strong women's champion we have momokago willow nightingale mercedes monet and stephanie vacker in the match uh in the tournament so those two matches will take place and the winners will meet in the finals a lot of other fantastic matches on the card including Will Ospreay against Hiroshi Tanahashi. The winner of that will face Lance Archer to earn a shot at Kenny Omega and the IWGP US title. We have Hikaleo and Kenta for the New Japan Strong Openweight Championship. We also have Christopher Daniels against this man, Alex Coughlin. Alex, how you doing? Oh, fantastic. Thank you guys very much for having me on. I'm excited. That was a smooth transition. Very nicely done. Appreciate it. Yeah, resurgence, like you said, coming up. Very excited for this weekend, getting ready now. Uh, it's the home stretch, you know, just making sure I'm feeling good heading into the weekend. We appreciate we appreciate you joining us because I know I assume you're over in L.A. already, and I know it's early over there. So thank you for for getting up early and and taking the time to join us. Let's let's talk about the the match with Christopher Daniels. That's a that's a veteran still going strong. Your thoughts on Daniels and what fans can expect from this match? Well, I know recently, within the past couple of years, uh, Christopher Daniels, he uh, was partners. He tag-teamed with a good friend of mine, Yuya Uemura, another L.A. Dojo student. But uh, Christopher Daniels went up turning on him. This was around a year or so ago, within the past couple of years. And uh, just ever since then, I just, you know, that's that's my friend. I've had a chip on my shoulder about him. I don't care what he's done since then. Uh, we kind of have a beef in that regard because, you know, that's my friend. So uh, this coming up, it's the pre-show. It starts, I believe, 4.20 uh, Eastern time uh, this Sunday. You can catch two matches, one of which is me versus Chris Daniels and me uh, giving him the receipt for that. So you can expect a lot of chops. You're a, a big proponent of the New Japan LA Dojo where you train. Uh, we've heard a lot of stories over the years about the New Japan Dojo uh, in, in Japan. Uh, can you talk to us about the training regimen, some of the expectations that are there, and, and parts of your training that uh, maybe are, are most challenging to you? 
Well, uh, every story you heard is 100% true, including uh, all the dragons that are in the basement. <laughs> but uh, I'll talk about the actual train. Between the LA Dojo and the Japanese Dojo, they're both run, you know, uh, very similarly, the Noge Dojo in Japan versus the one over here in Carson. But I've spent time in both. First tour when we did the Young Lions Cup in 2019, we spent a good amount of time when we stayed at the dojo and we were there. We saw the training. We got up to clean every morning. And, you know, it's, it's strict. It's what you expect. It's very regimented. Um, it's very scheduled. It's very disciplined. It's lots of squats, lots of push-ups on, in both countries. Just, uh, you know, I think when, when we were rocking and rolling, we had Sundays off and that was really it. Every other day was, you know, three to 500 squats, however many push-ups on top of all the, the in-ring training and the weightlifting afterwards. And, you know, we, we work hard. We're young lions. You know, there's a reason we're that animal based on Carl Gotch and not, you know, something that can't handle the heat. Um, you know, the pressure creates diamonds from coal. So we work hard and, you know, hopefully wind up even better at the end of the process. During... Training. Oh, sorry. Oh, Agile. If, if you don't mind, uh, during the pandemic, New Japan Strong also became a huge part of your regimen and your work with uh, New Japan Strong was regularly featured. Uh, talk to me about the importance of New Japan Strong and working a, a TV style program like that. Well, New Japan Strong was uh, fantastic for us because like you said, during the pandemic, it was a very dry period for a lot of people, New Japan included. You know, we'd just been with the company. I went to Japan once and then international travel shut down so i wasn't able to go over there and go on the shows so you know rocky and a few other people they spearheaded um the first couple shows technically weren't even strong branded yet we had a few shows and then the strong name stuck and then we did the uh, the weekly airings because we tape up in port wainimi but yeah it was great that we had you know something to do and it's a very different atmosphere with the with the no crowd tapings with nobody else there Versus, you know, a regular show where people would, you know, obviously be there. It's a different atmosphere, but with everybody there and it being, you know, a bit more laid back, um, you you learn different things and you learn from different people. And it's a unique experience and a very good one and one that I'm very happy that we went through. Because, again, you learn different things that you normally wouldn't have. And uh, just spending all that time, you know, around everybody there, you know, it was a... The who's who of the locker room, there's a lot of American talent or people that were able to come to the, the shows, like your, your Jay White, your Juice Robinsons, all those guys. And, um, you know, I'm happy for those years that we had. And looking what it's turned into to the shows that we've had, we had the pay-per-view in San Jose. We're doing uh, more tapings coming up. The show coming up this Sunday, Resurgence. The, the first Resurgence we had was our first show back with people in America. That was in L.A. That was at the Olympic Theater, I think. Whatever it's called, Olympic something. A couple of years back, where I wrestled Carl, and uh, the resurgence show is important to me, just as New Japan Strong is important to me, and I'm very excited for these shows, and I'm looking forward uh, to the future for both New Japan and America and Strong. What do you make of the rebrand of, of New Japan Strong? Because it used to be you tape the shows, you would do it was a weekly thing. Now it's basically big events when it comes to New Japan Strong, and then they air the matches as part of the New Japan Strong on New Japan World uh, in the coming in the following weeks. Right. So schedule wise, it's very similar to what we were doing. I mean, just schedule wise, to where we'd show up, wrestle, and then they'd film it and air it out. It's just now that they're bigger shows with bigger names, and it's a you know. I guess just bigger. 
So um, I'm happy with that direction too. And it seems pretty consistent and the shows have been great and we're getting some big names. So I'm happy with how that's going so far. And again, excited for how that's going to go in the near future. Uh, speaking of that first New Japan resurgence show, mm-hmm. another person who was on the show, I believe, was one John Moxley. And you ended up having a match with him recently at Bloodsport. Hell how, yeah. <laughs> how did that come together? And really, I mean, you two went hard in that match. Talk to me about the match, how it came together, and just the general sentiment coming out of it afterwards. Well, all leading up to this this Bloodsport, Bloodsport 9, um, I was slated to wrestle Yuya, I mentioned before. LA Dojo uh, fellow comrade, but uh, it was a week before the show, WrestleMania week. Uh, it was a Thursday, and one week before that Bloodsport Thursday, I got a call from from Josh, Mr. Barnett, and he was like, "Hey, uh, Mox's opponent dropped out. We want you to we want you to fight him." And I was like, "Uh, sure." Like I didn't know exactly how to answer other than yes. Like it, uh, it was uh, overwhelming at the time, but you know, that the, the week passed, if, you know, trying to figure out, you know, it's a big difference wrestling, you know, you, you, somebody, you know, versus a big name, someone like, you know, John Moxley, but uh, you know, just like any other fight came and went, we fought, punched each other in the face, had a great time. And uh, I want to do it again. Training, training with, uh, shibata when you started training with him did you ever think one that you'd be teaming with him years later and then two you're gonna be facing him on june 1st for the roh pure title when you started training with him do you think like hey i'm actually gonna wrestle this guy i'm gonna team with this guy the trainer a guy who many people didn't think was gonna wrestle again after everything that happened yeah honestly uh early on it never really crossed my mind and and uh, it, I just never thought of it. It's, it's so weird. The past few years, it's been five years since, you know, overnight my life changed from living in New York just to, to moving to L.A. and training with, like, this, been living with this legendary trainer. Just a whirlwind, just a flash. And uh, every now and then I stop to think just how, A, just how weird my life is. Like, a few years ago, I said, oh, you're going to live with a 40-year-old Japanese professional wrestler. And train with him, and and, then make him chonko and drive him places. It's like, oh, that I don't know how much I'd believe that, but just who he is and what he's done, and how the you know circumstances that led him to become a trainer. You know, he wasn't a wrestler; he was you know soft retired at the time. I I didn't think too much about him getting back in the ring. I was focused on you know not dying during the training I was currently doing. So uh, looking back. And seeing where I am now, uh, it's very cool that I had the opportunity to do both, be on you know both sides of the ring from him. The one where we wrestled in uh, Rhode Island, where we teamed up, and very much looking forward to June 1st when I get to smack him in the face because I've been looking for an opportunity to do that for the last five years. Is there anything that, uh, that Shabbat has taught you that you carry with you more than anything else in your training? Yes. Um, one thing you'd always say is don't think, just do. Just keep it simple. Um, it's a problem that I and I think a lot of people have. You know, you get overwhelmed with the thoughts and the possibilities of <coughs> of everything that goes into pro wrestling, everything that goes into life. So 
one thing that I really always try to keep in mind is just take a breath. Don't overthink it. Just kick some ass. So that's exactly how I'm going to walk into June 1st when I'm across the canvas from him. I'm just not going to, th- not going to overthink it. I'm just going to do what brought me to the dance. Got me this far. So we'll see. What's it, what's it do for you and your confidence and, and how much really it seems like respect Shibata has, because I imagine with, Every everything, the retirement and coming back and everything, he's probably a little selective with his opponents, and he clearly trusts you enough to to go in there and be like, "I know this guy's gonna give it to me. He's probably got you know years of training to take out on me and everything." But also, there's a there's got to be a trust level of okay, he's gonna work well, and this is gonna gonna go smoothly. Like he, I assumed, and had a lot of say in, in picking you to be one of his opponents in this return. Yeah, and that part wasn't lost on me either when I heard. I was going to be wrestling him, and that was, you know, a very cool feeling. I, I've lived with the guy for years. We're, you know, we're, we're very close. It's not just beyond, um, not just a student-teacher relationship, but actual, yeah, I'd, I'd say friends. But, um, yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing opportunity. I mean, it's a who's who, like how many matches has he had since he's come back? Singles matches, tag matches, and to be involved with, uh, any of them, let alone two of them, one being his first ever tag match like outside of Japan or something like that, or first ever tag partner in America out of his whole career. That's already an interesting feather. And then just having a singles match with the the man who changed my life overnight, you know, it's, a, it's an end to a big chapter. I want to go back to your match with Ray Jazz. Mm. recently at beyond the test of time the jersey legend himself of course yeah you had a spot in that match and you took him from a seated position into a vertical suplex yes i did yes (laughs) without saying core strength brother what how explain to me where (laughs) did this come from how did you get to this because that's that alone had me i was fixated watching that uh, by being strong as fuck. That's how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I expected. Like, clearly, this is something you got to work on. This is something you, you, you do a lot of work to get towards. But uh, this is this is something that you regularly do. Your your moniker is something, something deadlift. Is the something, something seated vertical position suplex? Oh, that's a great idea. You know, I could just put two adjectives or nouns before the something, something. It'll become a something, something deadlift. Shit, that's a good idea. I'll credit you. Don't worry. No, yeah, <laughs> hey, I'm. It's like we were talking before. Like during the pandemic, we were all here in LA. You know, in the dojo house, me, Clark, Gabe, Carl, and you know, we had this dojo, but you know, wasn't being used. We we trained in. You know, Shibata would be in Japan for months at a time during the pandemic, and uh, we would just get creative and try shit out. And we would do a lot of chain wrestling in our training. And a position I found myself in a lot was, uh, you know, you do a, grab a headlock, headlock takeover, and then you grab the, the head scissors with the legs. So in that position, you know, you, you see it a lot. There's two or three reversals that you'd normally see. And I was just thinking, I'm here a lot. Is there something else I can do to, to from, from here? Is there another way I could pick the guy up or do something? I just kind of spitballed from there. And, uh, I did a couple things. Like I wrestled John Gresham a couple of years back, about a year and a half um, in Philadelphia. And we did something to where he grabbed, uh, I grabbed the head scissors from a headlock takeover. Instead of the suplex, I grabbed them in like a, 
like an Argentine backbreaker, like over one shoulder backbreaker and stood up from there. And then after that, I figured, oh, a suplex would be cool. See if I can do it. And turns out I could, thankfully. So uh, now it's a thing that I do. Don't want I want to ask myself. about that, Jonathan. Yeah. I want to ask about that Jonathan Gresham match because I actually did a thing with him where we, we watched a match and we broke it down kind of move, move by move. And I asked him, what match do you want to do? And he said uh, the match he did with you um, for New Japan Strong. And he talked about how he wanted to make everything mean something. And the headlock was a big thing in that match of, okay, you do it once. Now we're going to escape on this one. And like everything meant something in that. So I, I guess my question that is, how much went into that match with, with Gresham and putting all of that together? And how much did, did you learn from Gresham and just putting and making all the little things mean something like that? That was an absolute pleasure working with, with, with Gresham. He's, yeah, he's amazing. I've been a fan of his work for a long, long time since before I started wrestling. And to finally get the opportunity, I, I love technical wrestling. And he's like the pinnacle. So the opportunity to wrestle him, uh, I did not take it lightly. And I just wanted to, I wanted to go. Do everything he said to a T, come in with a few cool ideas. And what we, what we wound up doing, I really, really enjoyed. And um, I hope we get to do it again. But yeah, I remember seeing that. Uh, the video where he talked about it and everything and that it's it that that was a cool feeling for sure you know someone like him to pick a match with you know someone like me kind of relatively uh not too well known compared to him and uh give me that spotlight it was really really cool and i love that match um it was very funny because that was the first match i ever noticed in the crowd that someone brought a sign for me and it said oh android chop the soul out of him or something like that something like my chops and that was I think the only match I've ever done where I did not throw a single chop. So I'm sorry <laughs> that it disappointed my only fan to ever bring me a sign to, to a show. But other than that, yeah, I, the only thing I can say about that is uh, I want to do it again. He, he was very, you know, happy with, with the match clearly, but very put you over big. I'm, I'm thank you for, for watching that. Um, but yeah, when I asked him like any match you want to pick, pick anything, he's like, I want to do this match I just had with Alice Coughlin. It was a great match. I'm very proud of this. And I think this will explain a lot to the audience. So I know, I mean, it came through across on video, I think of how happy he was with it, but also that's just, awesome. He, yeah. he was very happy with it just in our other conversations. So it was a fantastic match too. And again, a lot of little intricacies that I don't know how many wrestling fans pick up on when it comes to that kind of stuff. So well, that was a great match. Very, Everyone very go much. check that out. I appreciate that. Yeah. I think it was October, 2022. Uh, 2021, something like that. Okay, October exactly. 2021. Uh, so yes, you, October 2021. Excellent. You uh, you call yourself the Android. What what kind of what kind of phone do you use? Uh how many? Uh, I plead the fifth on this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I'll ask the question I actually want to ask. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> about Multiverse United, you were teaming with PCO Callahan and Fred Rosser. Now, you worked with Fred Rosser before. Uh, Putting together a match with those teammates, working with a guy like PCO and Sammy Callahan, who are both just bonkers humans in the ring, what was that process like putting together that match with the four of you kind of together teaming up? What was the first time ever for the four of you? 
Yeah, and that show, uh, my WrestleMania weekend was a very busy Thursday afternoon, and that was it. It was just Bloodsport and immediately there for the Multiverse United show. And yeah, honestly, that's a very, uh, I think that's a Mad Lib kind of team. Like, just name four random wrestlers. and But uh, it went way smoother than I would have thought, like, especially with how different you're saying they all, I mean, the the, the Frankenstein man himself, I was there at the Madison Square Garden uh, Ring of Honor New Japan show where he got powerbombed from the ring to the outside, just on the floor. So going into it, I was like, oh, it's the, the crazy guy I'm going to be with. Great. <laughs> so, But it went way smoother than I thought. And we gelled um, pretty well, honestly. Better than I thought we would. And it was a very fun, uh, very fun fight. Had a good time at Multiverse United. Yeah, just to put it into people's uh, minds, you were facing the team of Eddie Edwards, Joe Hendry, and the team of uh, Team Filthy, J.R. Kratos, and Tom Lawler. So a lot a lot of guys that you've worked with in the ring, but uh, also a few from Impact that uh, maybe you hadn't yet. So it, it did end up being a very smooth match. It was, it was good stuff. I, just, I, I always wonder how people work with PCO. I say often, you know, he's a guy who hates his own body. And I yeah. mean that in the most <laughs> respectful way because he's entertaining as hell. It's so true, though. I don't know what happened. I don't know why, but he just does. He just jumps off stuff all the time. And he doesn't, he's not good at flipping. He's terrible at it. <laughs> but, but he does it every time. You've, you've shared the ring with a lot of people who have hit really hard. Uh, mm-hmm. Who has hit you? And you're a person who's hit really hard. Who's hit you the hardest, though? Oh, there's been a lot of names. Uh, Josh Barnett hits pretty hard. Uh, PJ Black hit me pretty hard the first time I wrestled him. And um, say all the dojo boys lay it in. Whenever I wrestle somebody like Clark or, or Carl or, or Narita, that's mostly in training, though. We just punch each other really hard. But that's really all I can think of, just the LA Dojo boys being stiff and throwing potatoes. But yeah, PJ Black hit me really hard too. <laughs> Going back to your friendship with Yuya Yumura, I'm lucky enough to watch him weekly on Impact Wrestling right now. How did the two of you become such close friends? Where did that all come together? I mean, obviously the Dojo has a point in that, but what was the moment that brought you two together? Well, the first time we met, it was during that Young Lions Cup tour in 2019, where the story of that was there was three LA Dojo guys and four Japanese Dojo guys and one New Zealand dojo guy. So basically, it was kind of an international thing, but the main story was, you know, America versus Japan. Obviously, Uemura being on the Japanese side, me being on the American side. Everybody wrestled everybody. But that was where we met, and that's where we kind of just established the first nice-to-meet-you kind of thing. And he was cool then. He was a very nice guy. Saved our ass one time for uh, almost missing the bus the night out the night before. So thank you, Yuya, for that. But uh, then they, the resurgence show, the first resurgence show that we had, that was Yuya's first match in America. And that's when he cut the promo. Uh, nice to meet you, America. I'm Yuya Uemura. I'll never forget that. Nice to meet you, USA. Excuse me. And um, that's when he joined the LA Dojo. So he moved in with us. And the first night he came in, of course, we all went out in Santa Monica and had a fantastic time. Shout out to Takuma. Hit up his restaurant in Santa Monica. And uh, that's how we bonded, just getting drunk and hanging out and it's you know basically a frat the la dojo so once you're once you're in you're in you're just living and hanging out and partying and training getting close 
you you wrestled Yoda Suji in the Young Lion Cup. First mm-hmm. match in the, the Young Lion Cup um, in 2019. Yoda's back in New Japan going after the IWGP World Heavyweight title. Big presentation in his mm-hmm. return. What are your thoughts on Yoda returning and the, this new presentation he has? I see him. I see him. He's not going unnoticed. All eyes are on him, and he's doing a great job. I like Yoda. That was my uh, Cork and Hall debut. It was a very exciting match for me, and, uh, you know, I kicked his ass. Yeah, you won. Bad. You If he wins this title, you got you got to claim to a, a title shot here in my Exactly. Mind. I will clip that five-year-old match and put the finish up and say, I oh, I need this match right now. But it, that's one. It's inevitable him and I are going to clash. I ain't worried about it. I don't know when it's going to be sooner or later, but one day we're going to fight, and it's going to be glorious. Alex, I want to I want to thank you for for joining us today. Um, you know, enjoy the rest of your day. We got the press conference for New Japan Resurgence tomorrow, and the New Japan Resurgence on May twenty first. Alex will be in an action against Christopher Daniels. Uh, the link below. Uh, by the way, there is a link below. If you have not gotten your tickets, there's tickets there. It'll also air on New Japan World and Fight. Uh, Alex, let everybody know where they can find you at. Yeah, like we mentioned before, you can find me at something something deadlift on Instagram. I know it's real stupid, but I've gone this far without changing it. So uh, there's that. On Twitter, I am at AlexCoglin93. That's the year I was born. And uh, that's basically it. I got Resurgence coming up the 21st on Sunday. That's going to be in the Walter Pyramid in Long Beach, California, which is a venue very special to me. That's where I made my New Japan debut back in 2018 against Clark Connors. So it's a very special event for me. So I hope you don't miss that one. The pre-show starts uh, about 4.15, 4.20-ish Eastern time. And uh, you should also look forward June 1st when I punch Gatsuyori Shibata in the face. Thank you guys very much for having me. I hope you didn't ramble too much. And uh, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I had a great time. Thanks, it's Alex. A peer, it's a peer rules match. Now, don't punch them too hard. I think you get a warning for the closed fist. So yeah, I only get one, but that one's going to count. Oh, That's man. Right. Okay. Yeah. Hey, fair enough. Fair mm-hmm. enough. All right. Thank you, Alex. Enjoy the rest of your day. We look forward to checking out New Japan Resurgence uh, and specifically your match against Christopher Daniels. Alex Coughlin, everybody. Fantastic man. And Joel, I didn't even bring up on air. He's still, he's still behind the scenes, so I'm bringing him out. You're calling him Coughlin. I was trying to get you beat I up. Once. I did it one time as I'm like half caffeinated, trying to <laughs> trying to sort myself out in the intro. My God. Trying, to, trying to get you beat up. That's a, it's yeah. a big dude. I'm going to have to fly to LA and get the shit kicked out of me now. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's messaging our private chat saying, Coughlin, boo, boo. Yeah, see, let's right. Okay. Will you oh, beat no. up? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, we... you, you, you bastard. You, you piece of garbage. How dare you? I did it one time. Tell you what. You, you did it twice. You did, did it twice. The record will show twice. No, stop it. Alex, you come to Toronto and I'll, I'll buy you a drink of your choice. Hey, give me some Tim no. Hortons. We'll call it even. Sure. Why I'll not? Punch, we'll him. Do it. punch him in the face. Sure. That's It'll be either. If I don't like the donut and the coffee, you're getting one right in the, right in the, right in the kisser. As long as we can film it for content, we'll be okay. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, fellas. Enjoy. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. I'm glad he stuck around. So I can. Oh, <laughs> oh, Jeremy out here trying to get me murdered. I, we've got Steve Macklin beating you up. Mike Skyros beating you up, and now Alex Coughlin beating you up. This is great. I'm getting you bookings, Joel. You should thank me. You're getting me death sentences. 
well, so that's fair. At least I get paid. I don't have to pay for your funeral. I'll be fine. <laughs> Started GoFundMe. Oh god, <laughs> that was good. Alex, Alex is great. I really, uh, I really enjoyed that conversation with him. Oh, he was, he was fantastic. Yeah, I appreciate that he um, joined us. I know it's early over, over on the West Coast, so getting up and hanging out with us, us two dorks for about twenty five minutes there, and, and talking, talking some wrestling. Everybody, again, check out New Japan resurgence uh if you have not gotten tickets if you're in the la area um it is the long beach area the link is below and so you can get tickets there we'll have coverage on fightful all weekend everything like that sean's got his interview with will osprey that just dropped i believe so Noon, it drops in five it minutes okay well it's up on the site at 11 45 so uh the actual the actual interview doesn't premiere until until noon but uh yeah will osprey sean interviewed him we got articles from that we'll have articles from this alex coglin interview but go check out new japan resurgence uh new japan doing doing big things in america and and of course japan as well yeah gonna be a big show like you said mercedes Monet is part of that uh new japan strong women's championship tournament crown the first ever new japan strong women's champion uh very interested in seeing who of those four women end up walking out with that title you think it's mercedes if it is, then clearly there are more, more dates coming, which is good news for Mercedes, good news for New Japan. But I don't know. Out of the four women, she is obviously the front runner. But who knows? Maybe she's going to put over somebody else and make a try to make a new star out of them. She's winning the first match, right? Like you, you. I think she's so. in the main event of this yeah, show. Yeah, I don't see why not. I, again, her and Willow Nightingale would be a fantastic match. It's a little strange to do Willow Nightingale, who has the graphic and is signed full-time to AEW, uh, potentially being the first ever New Japan Strong Women's Champion. But you have Forbidden she's, Door coming up as well. There's that. She's part of ROH. She has more of a presence on ROH right now than, than AEW. And I, a New Japan person has the ROH peer title. So there's plenty of true. crossover between ROH and and New Japan. I think the final will be Mercedes and Willow. And that could really go either way, honestly. There there are reasons logistically and uh, just logically for it to be either one of them. Yeah. As we we start to wind down, SmackDown tonight, there's actually a lot that's been announced for the show. You got Sammy and KO doing a face-to-face with Roman and Solo. You've got Mysterio and Escobar versus the Usos. You got Brawl and Brutes versus Pretty Deadly, who are debuting tonight. Got the Grayson Walla effect. I think he's got AJ Styles on that because he was supposed to have the winner of the, the tournament, right? Yes, it's AJ Styles, yeah. yeah. So AJ, AJ Styles is going to be there. And you also have LA Knight and Rick Boogs. Boogie Knights are going to take on the Street Profits. Boogie There's a lot going Knights. on tonight. I'm looking forward to the segment between... Roman Reigns, Solo Sokoa, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn. And mostly what I'm looking forward to, Joel, is not only like the interactions and the 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 words between these four men. I don't know if they'll all talk. I'm looking forward to this new shirt that Roman Reigns is going to be wearing. Oh my god, what is that? <laughs> Look at this. It's a great shirt. Okay, so like 95% of it is great. The goat head is a <laughs> little too much for me. Can Every- Roman get away with this shirt? 
he's gonna wear it tonight and i'm sure someone <laughs> ko is gonna be like just like your shirt says life's not fair and still when we walk out the still the tag team champions at night of champions something like that is gonna happen but that shirt is i can't stop looking at it. it's mesmerizing it's the roman reigns furry t-shirt the wife, the wife sent it to me just now and i was like oh man i gotta yeah that's a shirt everybody i guess you can somewhere, get that now on wwe shop somewhere there's a parent who wants to buy this and wear it in front of their kids whenever things don't go the kids way oh, just gaslighting yeah. them like roman does use this as a parent make the kids acknowledge me <laughs> throw up the ones kids throw yeah. up the ones get i thought line. i mean this, where's the we want that we the 1000 shirts that's, that's coming, coming. that's coming yeah they gotta yeah. hit 1000 first like they, they have to actually hit one you can't release it early and then <laughs> telegraph sure. that you're gonna hit 1000 even though it's a week away and he's not gonna defend the title between it. now and then oh man and they announced uh oscar versus bianca belair for night of champions so that'll be uh, another good match we talked about it on wednesday but uh actually i think we talked about it on monday so it's uh it's good i'm looking forward to it there's a lot of fun stuff tonight on smackdown uh rampage has some movement for double or nothing i'm not going to spoil it go watch the show or just you can read the spoilers on fightful.com if you really care uh but there's some good stuff coming down the pipeline so there you go jeremy we made it this was a good episode we talked about a lot of a steel and cm punk talked a lot about dynamite and aw Alex Coughlin had a wonderful conversation with him and a quick little SmackDown chat. So all in all, a good week. All in all, a good show. Plug your stuff. Let's get out of here. He's gonna, Alex Coughlin's going to beat you up. That's the big takeaway from today's show. I'm going to start everybody. Just cannot beat me up. I'm going to start. I swear to God. That's nobody. All these wrestlers can beat you can up. Beat me. I know they can all beat me up. Yeah. I got, he's not going to book wrestlers anymore. I got this dork telling me he's going to beat me <laughs> up too. So what, what are we doing here? The You're the fightful champion. You're the fightful champion, days. Joel. 800 days on Friday next week. We'll be celebrating here on In the Weeds. Are we? That's unfortunate. Yeah, if I can That's get a, if I can get the damn title belt, <laughs> I can celebrate in person. Oh, good luck with that. It's also like on the video while you're here as we're getting out the door. Jeremy, go ahead. Plug the stuff. Uh, don't follow me on Twitter. Follow follow Joel Pearl on Twitter, I guess. At J-O-E-L. I don't know. It says it right there. I can't read. Um, yeah, follow follow him. Check out everything we got going on on Fight Full Overbooked. There's a lot. We got live shows every single day at 3 p.m. Or not every single day, but most days uh, at this point. Um, at 3 p.m. coexisting with Rob and Maggie. Everyone check that out. Uh, big shout out this week to to all of our guests, and I might forget some, and I apologize, but my Skyros joined us on Monday. Andrew Zarian uh, was with us for an hour on Wednesday. Spencer Love was with us on Wednesday as well, and then today Alice Coglin. So big shout out to to all of our. I didn't forget anybody, did I, Joel? No, you got him. Okay. Sean right. showed um, up. Sean, Sean always shows up. Sean's just here. Hey, Sean and his eggs. Down. Big shout out to him. Yeah, um, sure. I le- legitimately, I saw what was happening in the chat earlier. Like, this doesn't happen without Sean. Okay. It just, it sure. doesn't. So, yeah. um, yeah. Appreciate all our guests this week. Uh, thank you. Thank you to everybody who's tuned in this week. And we'll do it again next week. Yeah. We'll be back here on Monday for In the Weeds at 10 a.m. Eastern. I will be here again on Sunday at eight o'clock. Joel and Kate at eight. We'll talk about wrestling and Probably not as much in the weeds, but we'll make a fun of a lot of different stuff. Uh, that's going to be a good time. Good uh, today, if you're listening or watching on the Friday that this airs, 
you can go watch uh, Rob and Maggie and coexisting at three o'clock here on this channel or anytime you want. Let's face it. Just go ahead there. Uh, subscribe to Fight for Select. Do the whole nine. I am at Joel Pearl. J-O-E-L-P-E-A-R-L. What do we got? Oh, ladies and gentlemen. Continue. Ladies, gentlemen, friends, be on the binary. We'll see you in the next one. Cheers. I got one more thing to say before you end the show. Okay. One more thing to say. Yeah. Live your life a quarter mile at a time. See you on Monday. <laughs>